0: a podcast where a british and an american girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in china today and now your hosts holly and nora
1: hey
0: everybody hello we're back on the air we, we are we are <laughs> and this episode is going to be a very interesting one i think mm-hmm. probes right into the heart of the East Meets West question, which Holly and I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So, what's happening in the world of China? Do you um, have some, or do we have comments? We do. what's going on?
2: We do, we do. We've got, first of all, we have a review. Oh, nice. Uh, from Last Day Prepper. Um, and uh, he says, rock star performances, ladies. Oh. Uh, fantastic work. Thank you. Nice. Thanks. Short and sweet. Yeah, it's lovely. Of course, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we know it's a lot. It takes a lot of effort to leave reviews, so we're really grateful because we've got quite a few now, and they've all been awesome. Every one of them,
0: yeah, (laughs) yeah, for for sure. Even the ones which make fun of my giggling. Well, that wasn't (laughs) a review. That was just a comment. Like,
2: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they didn't realize we were going to see it,
1: but but
2: someone made a comment about that and said like, you should just. Just continue giggling or something. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we've had some comments. One from Pierre who says, "I am learning Chinese language. Hello from Paris." Now, I have—I ha- happen to—I uh, don't know Pierre, but uh, he is a familiar face from Written Chinese
1: oh. from the Written
2: Chinese Facebook page. I have followed him from the beginning when I jo- when I joined the Written Chinese. Team, hear that, Pierre? You are being stalked? So I hope, <laughs> I hope that he's listening. Yeah. So it's nice that he's followed us over to the two white chicks. That's in China. great. Yeah. Um, and we've also had a comment from Haley who says, "Hi, ladies. I love your podcast. I just started last week, and I'm listening to them newest to oldest. Hmm. That will be an interesting way to re- to read to listen to them because I feel like some of our opinions may have changed within the last."
0: year and a half
2: of us Probably. doing Probably,
0: or some, yeah, some situations might be a bit different. Yeah. Things change so rapidly here.
2: And I almost wish, like, she was listening to them the other way around, because then we, st- we don't start off so great and then we <laughs> progressively get better. So,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got some news for, for everyone. So, um, the news article uh, is titled, uh, or the headline is Chinese Trolls Write 488 Million Fake Social Media Posts a so Year and Don't Even Earn 50 Cents for It.
0: 488 Million. Mm-hmm. That's a big number.
2: Yep. Uh, so this, I mean, this was a really. There, every week when I look for a news article, I, I often do look for the most like outrageous, to be honest, but this really piqued my interest with it being about social media and stuff like that. Um, so, this is one of the most productive parties in China. Um, and they call them the 50 Cent Party. Hmm. And basically, these guys, uh, 50 Centers, <laughs> are, are, they're also known as Wu Mao, which is the equivalent, uh, well, like a five... What would, I guess it's what you would class as a 50 Cent. Right. But it's... What would it be? What's the equivalent of? In dot,
0: like dollars? In dollars. Um... Because it's half, so it's half a renminbi. Yeah. So it's 50 cents. Yeah. So... I think it would be 5 pence in British British sterling. Yeah, I'd say maybe like 15 cents. Oh. so something it's a, like. So yeah. It's not much. Yeah.
2: So these guys are netizens, so people that post stuff on the, the internet and they earn uh, 0.5 kwai for every um, post they make online. Okay. So, basically, this article suggests that if that's the case then they would, these guys would probably be millionaires. Um, but they, they've, this, um, it's Harvard University have actually recently done this study and they found that <laughs> the the actually the Chinese government fabricates about four hundred eighty eight million social media comments a year, so half of these are on uh, government sites and the other half are on Chinese social media. Um, so a lot of people assumed that these posts were like. Um, to say good things about China, mm-hmm. to like tell everyone how good China is, um, but what they've dis- what they've realised is actually they're there to like create like a smoke sh- smoke screen, like to deflect bad things. So if people get if people get angry about something in China, then these guys will like jump in, and try and like deflect and say some make some like happy comment completely irrelevant. It doesn't have to be. It's not about. Uh, Defending—it's not about making like defensive arguments. It's basically just to come in and say, "Oh, it's a nice day today." Oh, so that's what these guys are
0: doing. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what yeah. do you mean they haven't made it? So, they're supposed to be paid fifty whatever wumao. Yeah, so fifty cents for each comment, but they're not being paid. Um. Yeah, it
2: seems that. Um. Uh, actually, actually it doesn't, the story doesn't really talk about, I, I think it's more about 50 cents, like you said, it's actually 15 cents, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be, it's not actually, it's only a tiny, tiny amount. Mm-hmm. Um. But still, I mean, to make they one would, comment... Yeah, you'd think that they would be getting a lot of money. You'd pretty quickly
0: earn a dollar.
2: You would assume so. Hmm.
0: Yes. But the, I guess the point is just that there's so much fabricated stuff yeah. out there. Yeah. I think so. Um,
2: so it says that this this research done by Harvard University, I've discovered that, uh, the v- ma- vast majority of posts, um... Uh, actually it says that they were not written by these freelancing, like... Uh, Fifty centers, but they're actually written by like employees of the government. Okay. So, hmm.
0: yeah, the web is a very in China it's quite murky. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, they have a, a kind of an equivalent to Google that's called Baidu. Yeah. So it's a search engine, but the search engine algorithm is nothing like. Googles, and it only, it like, basically, if you want to get on the first page, it's he who pays the most for advertisement. So they don't really have a good organic Mm -hmm. search. I mean, because people will find, like, Chinese are really, really excellent hackers. (laughs) So they will find out what the algorithm is, and they will, you know, distribute that for profit to companies in order to crack the SEO is Mm -hmm. what we call it, search engine optimization, in order to get your website to the top of the ranking pages anyway. So, most Chinese people, when they are looking for a source of information, they won't use these kind of search engine sites. They don't trust them, rightfully so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, unless they know a direct URL and can go directly to the website... Um, they will use WeChat to find the information out. So they really use their networks a lot more to kind of lead them to more credible sources rather mm-hmm. than just exploring, you know, surfing the net on the worldwide yeah. web.
2: Yeah. I think Chinese Quora is a big thing now. I think that's what oh, a lot okay. of people are finding information.
0: And that's a question and answer platform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
2: but I can't remember. I, I forget the name of it now.
0: I know um, there's this Juhu, but I don't know if it's exactly if that's the I one that's popular it. or not. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. So it's similar to Quora, which is where you can ask a question about anything, and then anybody can answer, mm-hmm. but people upvote your answers. Yeah, it's an interesting platform. Yeah, it is. I've written some things on there. <laughs> if you're curious, you can go over and search for my name, Nora Wilson, you probably find some stuff about China. Like, I wrote about, um, Chinese men. Oh yeah. And I wrote a little bit about, you know, people ask questions like, um, there was an interesting one where the woman was like, I have Parkinson's disease. Will I be received? Because, you know, she has tremors. How will I be treated in China? So mm. I answered that that one things like that was like really thought provoking mm. questions. So I've I've gone on there and answered some some stuff which has been kind of fun. So you haven't if you haven't checked out the platform, it's pretty cool in English, but they must have a Chinese equivalent. Yeah, I think it's called Zhihu, but I'm not sure. We can probably link. Yeah, to Yeah, I
2: think um, I'm sure I. This was a long time ago. I'm sure I mentioned it in some article that I wrote, but it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a look through my stuff, Maybe we can ask Chamsen. She'll know. She will know. She will know. She she knows everything. Our office mate. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
0: Hmm. Well, anyway, that's interesting. That is. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you can read. I've missed a lot a lot out because I I <clears throat> I found it intriguing, but I don't want to like create too much of a scene. <laughs> so if you want to read all the article, you, I'll link to it on our com slash episode 59 page, mm-hmm. and you can read the whole article. We
0: do have to be a bit sensitive about things that we say here.
2: Yeah. Well, it was either that or thousands of grannies get together to dance.
0: Oh yeah, I shared that <laughs> one on my Facebook page.
2: Those posts need, you need to see the pictures to really appreciate the like immensity of those things, though. So it's kind of pointless me telling you.
0: There's a video <laughs> I can share it to the two white chicks. I think you should. Um. Wall, but there's a video of it says eighteen thousand grannies. You can't see that many in the. Sh- you can probably see, like five or six thousand in the shot. Which <laughs> trust me, it's That's enough. That's still a lot, yeah. And they're all dressed in these identical like track suits. Is it? Pi- are they pink or blue? I, I just, think they're I just red. Saw it, like a second ago. I think
2: they're red. Yeah, they're red for red. China? For China, of course.
0: Yeah, of course. and they're dancing to um, Shaoping Guo, which has been a cult classic for way will it, too will long. Will it ever end?
2: Will it ever end?
0: Yeah, which is a hilarious song in which the main lyrics are You are my little, little apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're doing this synchronized dancing like they do in the parks in the evening, but just on a massive scale.
2: It's pretty impressive because... Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of these grannies and, I mean, granddads too. They all get involved. And something I've noticed is they're not always very synchronized. Like, Mm. someone's always kind of, like, off a Mm -hmm. little bit. So it must have taken a long time for them all to synchronize so well.
0: Well, what's funny is because they're so... I mean, it's such a huge pavilion with all these people so there's kind of a ripple effect because they're watching the person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're watching the person in the front, in front of them, and following. So they're, they're not really following the music; right. they're just watching, they're just the, watching the person in of front of them and mimicking. So there's a slight delay between the person in the front. It's like of a the Mexican whiff. Yeah, Sob. and the person in the back. So it's really funny to see this, like thunder and lightning you know there's a delay between the front and the back yeah
2: the the ladies at the front must be like the masters there's a I lot of pressure so. on them
0: to get make sure they get the moves right but you know how they do those things here they just beat a dead horse they really holly and i were eating lunch in the park for about a year yeah almost every day mm-hmm. and we saw this couple these two ladies mm-hmm. dancing the same dance <laughs> to the same music the same music every single day of that year in the park the same dance so they just that's what they do they just drill the same thing i don't know how they don't they just have that focus they just want to perfect it i guess but they do it over and over and over again i mean a year and probably if we go back they'll still be doing it
2: and I mean, not only, I mean, for anyone else, I feel like doing the same dance moves over and over again would just get incredibly boring. Not just that though, listening to the same song every day, yeah, like you'd go nuts, but it's just, we, I think we've talked about that a little bit in the, you know, in other episodes where those kind of like repetitive sounds and noises don't
0: seem to bother they anyone. They don't bother them at all. They, you, they, they're just like, well, it's just a noise. My, <laughs> my new apartment is near um a school.
1: Mm-hmm. And so oh, in the
0: morning, first I hear the morning exercises, which of course is to the same, very nationalistic sounding mm-hmm. music, which I think is a standard probably around probably. all. I think, I think it's a high school. Yeah. And then for some reason they've chosen Lemon Tree just another oh, yeah. lemon tree that song yeah
1: i hear that and a lot
0: every day at the same time they blast that song to the students i don't know what the purpose is but Mm-mm. every single day if it was me i would end up hating that song <laughs> so much did. and it would remind me of school it'd be like the worst song to hear ever yeah
2: i was always curious about that song i didn't really know what it was but i
0: i've heard it a lot here yeah, I don't know. They just think it's one of. I mean, it is a classic song, but it, I guess it's part of the curriculum or something to teach them this song. I don't know. I've heard it in other tra- like schools and training centers as well. Really? Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: This is the first time that I remember. Well, that I remember hearing it because I'm just hearing it every single morning. Maybe you heard it before. You just pushed it to the like to the yeah. deepest recess of
2: your brain, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. Okay, so um, so we've got a question uh, today from uh, Desiree. from Fa- uh, she, she left a message on Facebook. Cool. Um, and it says, Hi Holly and Nora, I'm enjoying your podcast so much, thank you. I'd like to propose a somewhat tricky topic. I'm wondering if you two might reflect on how Chinese and foreigners interact interpersonally and develop deep relationships. For instance, do you know foreigners who have moved to China and have become... Uh, close, personal platonic friends with a Chinese person. I'd love to hear both a Chinese and a foreign perspective on this matter. During a recent visit to Shanghai, I developed the impression that both Chinese and, Chinese and foreigners stay within their own kind when it comes to friendshipping with death. If this is true to an extent or false, I'd be interested in hearing reflections on why it is so and how and where the cultural bridges can be built for significant relationships uh, that aren't necessarily romantic thank you
0: Wow. Uh, loaded yeah highly loaded yeah. question this is yeah. great this is a great question yeah. thanks desiree this is um, i'm holding back a little bit yeah I'm a bit nervous but you are yeah a bit yeah i mean we're not going to try to attempt to you know, (laughs) solve, like, to say that there is a solution Mm -hmm. to this, or that there's any definitive answer at all. Uh, We can just speak on our own experiences. I thought it was really interesting that she made it a point to say that we're talking about platonic relationships here. Um, I think that's a big, that's a big differentiation from, you know, there are quite a few couples. Yes. Mixed. Mixed couples, and um, it is a totally different dynamic than a platonic friendship. I I agree. Yeah. So, she's saying, is it true or false, because she's saying, it seems that Chinese stay with their own, foreigners stay with their own, is it true or false? I would say, generally speaking, true. Yeah. Generally speaking, true, yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, Of course, one is the language. Mm -hmm. It takes a foreigner a really long time to get a good grasp on the Chinese language in order to be comfortable enough to really express yourself um, on a deeper level than just, hello, I want to buy this banana. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the most most foreigners who come to China don't stay long enough to reach that level of proficiency in Chinese, unless maybe they've if they have a degree in Chinese language before coming. That's another thing. But most people leave before they reach that level of proficiency. Mm. So that's one major obstacle, I think. And also
2: the opposite too. If your the your Chinese acquaintance uh <laughs> speaks uh very good English. Um I think there are also like like humour that don't seem to it doesn't matter how well you speak the language, sometimes those things just don't uh they just never seem to work like mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned about jokes and things here. If you make a joke, you've often got to say, like, oh, I'm joking after, or or they, or a Chinese person might say, you know, in order for everyone to know that it's actually, you know, it's okay to laugh, You that was meant to be
0: funny. Um, Yeah, they don't do, like, little quips and wry humor. It doesn't they're very obvious mm-hmm. when it comes to their joking for the most yeah.
2: for the most part. Yeah. Banana, slipping on a banana skin is like that, that kind of yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. They have playp- playful banter. In fact, there's an art form where it's like two people going back and oh, forth yeah. with this playful banter that's very clever in that they find humorous and it is very subtle, but that's different from, you know, no everyday conversation. You know, in English we love sarcasm. That's sarcasm, yeah, that's a big thing. That's something that's it's weird, because even the very fluent English speakers that I know here, when I use sarcasm, it <laughs> just doesn't, you know, they just take every word that I'm saying yeah. as a truth. Mm-hmm. So then they get confused when I use sarcasm. Even when I think it's I'm being very obvious. Yeah. I think sarcasm also comes with that close friendship, doesn't it? If you mm. understand that
2: someone, like, frequently uses sarcasm then you you, you're always kind of like alert or you know Mm -hmm. i know that that person was trying to be sarcastic or or is sarcastic yeah uh but yeah i've never found i've never spoken to a chinese person who and yeah who got sarcasm
0: well champson so champson sits right in our same room so there's three of us in that room now yeah in our office um and we're p- apart from the development team, and it's just three OSS us, us girls, which is kind of nice to be honest. Yeah. It smells good in Yeah, our it office. is. There's never any <laughs> smelling. It's bad smells. Um, <laughs> so. I can, I've seen her progression. I've seen more and more how how she she does catch on to the jokes. Oh yeah, faster. Oh yeah, yeah. I've noticed. So that, she's too. she has definitely started to pick up. But I mean, that's with sitting all day with two. I mean, Holly and I are talking back and forth mm-hmm. quite a bit and talking to her quite a bit. Yeah. For she's been working at the company for about a, over a year. Over yeah. Yeah, a year and a half, maybe mm-hmm. even. So she's had a lot of exposure and Holly and I are pretty close, so we do use a lot of this kind of you know, we understand each other, so we use this kind of humor. Yeah. So so she's she's definitely learned to mm-hmm. grab and Alan too, one of our other colleagues also he yeah. I remember when I first started working with him way back when and this was several years ago. Uh maybe four year four four and a half four years already. ago. Yeah. I remember how he was always very hesitant to laugh at anything that I was saying. Yeah. Because he was afraid. You know, like, I think there's kind of this fear in China to laugh right, at something. Um, I think that goes back into their history, which we talked about a little bit before, where comedy was not encouraged. Mm. Uh, laughter was not encouraged. And so I think there's still culturally this kind of restraint when it comes to laughter and yeah. humor in Chinese.
2: I also wonder if it's also to do with like uh say for example you you made you said something and he thought oh like it's a joke I should laugh and then it turned out you weren't making a joke. Right. And then maybe you would be embarrassed and he would be embarrassed and I th- and I think that in in like Chinese culture that would be really bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. someone's going to lose face there, and no one wants that. Right. <laughs> so, we're just very
0: hesitant. Right, right, right. And this whole humor thing is a really important piece of the puzzle, and we're talking about these kind of relationships, because at the end of the day, friends are people who make you laugh. Like, that's a huge part of mm-hmm. friendship, I think. It's people who you, you're, you laugh with, who you enjoy. So when you take that piece of the puzzle out of the equation... It's I'm mixing my metaphors all yeah, up here. It certainly loses but it's, something, um, right? Yeah, it loses. So that's that's one big obstacle between yeah. these relationships. Yeah. And um, you can... I'm sure that you can study deeply, like, some of the, the ways that Chinese people joke with each other. Certainly watching their game shows and TV shows gives you a, a clue. So, because Desiree is asking for, is there a way to build these cultural bridges? Mm. And part of it is just learning about the humor yeah. um, of Chinese people, and then also for them, vice versa. So just kind of being aware of the, that of the differences and the, the humor mm-hmm. is one way to bridge it. But but it's not an easy thing to do. No, I I agree. Um... Even in the Western world, humor like in Western Europe compared to Eastern Europe is quite a bit different, and that's. A way more similar, similar cultural range than from us here in China, so it just gives you a scope, a scope of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what else do you think? Um, what's an obstacle for? Do you have any close Chinese friends?
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: See, this is the bit that I knew I was gonna be like. Oh, this
2: is gonna come up, but I don't really feel like I want to talk about it because um, it ma- it makes me feel bad. Um, I yeah, I would say that I have uh, Chinese friends, but for many reasons, I don't feel like it's a friendship. It's mm. a close friendship. Mm. I I can use the word close. I think that. Um, f- from my experience with these particular friends, um, the relationship exists um, mostly. It's mostly based on give, like give and take. What we can. It's, this is gonna sound awful. What we can get from each other.
0: It's like in mutual dependence. Right. Yes. Yeah. And
2: it's not. Um, and it's obviously, if those things went away, there would be no dislike for each other. But if if we didn't need anything from each other, then I feel as though the, let's call it friendship, probably would dissolve
0: rather mm. quickly. Yeah, I thought about this a lot, just about um, how friendships are constructed in Chinese culture versus in Western culture. And it seems to me that in the West, we tend to build our friendships based off of shared interests. Yeah. Whereas in China, and these two things aren't mutually exclusive, but whereas in China, you tend to build these friendships based, again, on these mutual dependencies. So, like, in China, you're carefully constructing this guanxi web, and if somebody isn't bringing something to the table that is elevating you in some way, then I think it's unlikely that you would spend a whole lot of time with that person. And I think that also um, is a hindrance to these East and West relationships just because as foreigners, we're not really a part of the whole... We're not exactly a part of the whole guanxi Mm -hmm. thing, or we're in a very special subdivision of it. Like, people... People like having for. So this is another thing. is People really like having foreign friends yeah. in China. Um, it's probably in the f- near future this is going to be a little less common like this. But so far what I've seen is that, and we talked about this before, how having white faces around you tends to elevate your status, makes you seem more international um, more culturally advanced, let's say, and so, sometimes it's hard as a foreigner to know whether or not the Chinese person is actually interested in you as a person or is interested in having you around to elevate their status. And that also, it seems really harsh and I'm not saying all Chinese people are like that, but it's an element that shouldn't be ignored.
1: because mm-hmm.
0: Cuz I'm sure a lot of the Chinese people that I know and that I would consider friends wouldn't have been as eager to do favor, you know, like they do a lot of favor. They help they help you out. Yeah. If you weren't a white foreigner. Right. So that's another element. Yeah.
2: I um I kind of want to Go off the track a little bit, but mm-hmm. we'll come back. Mm-hmm. I, so I was thinking this morning. I, I was remembering that we were going to record the podcast, and I was I was thinking, what am I going to talk about? And um, actually, I think I've sort of shared this story with you some time ago, um, but it's actually about another foreigner. Um, so I, when I came to China, um, I met with this woman, um, and she, she I, thought, I thought that she, want, she, she did. She helped me a lot, actually. Um, and I feel as though, um, fr- with friends, like, if you do them a favour, you don't necessarily expect them to, like, you know, like, if, if you if you helped me out with something, um, I don't think that you would expect me to, like, come the next day with, like, flowers or whatever. Right. That would be my decision, like, that would be my choice. Um, it's... Uh, Not, like, keeping a close right, record. Right, right, exactly, like, a tally chart or something. Yeah. And so she'd help me out with some things and, uh... I like done I take helped her like with some pictures taking some pictures for like her resume or something. Mm. And um some time after uh we had gone for a a drink and she pulled me up and said like oh you know um if people help you you should really like do something in return. You should take them you know you should treat them. You you should take them for dinner. You should do this and this. And that was th- so I was I mean I was I'm not saying I wasn't a kid. I was 24 or something like that and this was the first time i'd really ever been i'd been to university but it's completely different i'd never been with people who were f- not from the uk really mm. and i was like really taken aback and i felt like really upset because i felt as though that's not i i'd never felt like that about any you know i'd never done I'd never done someone a favor with the mindset that I expected something back from them. Right. And so it really, like, and, and, and I was thinking about this woman this morning. I don't even know why. And I thought, I wonder if that, because it's kind of how it's done in China, whether she had just, she had, like, taken that part of, the, like, the Chinese culture. Maybe. Uh, for herself. Because she'd been in China for a long time. She'd gone backwards and forwards to her home country multiple times, ta- like, for a long, long time. Um, but I, yeah, it was, that was the first time I'd ever really, like, really experienced that kind of, or m- maybe I'm completely naive, maybe that's exactly how life is, and I'm just <laughs> like, people are, are, are like, got this little book saying, I did this thing for Holly, now she owes me a favor, <laughs> and, and I
1: have no yeah, idea. It's really
0: sad, I mean, that she had this expectation,
1: because,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I, I also I I don't know. I feel like a favor is just like, of course, if it's like the person is asking you for a favor and you're constantly get doing things for them and then they're not willing to reciprocate. Okay, fair enough. That's one thing. But as I understand it, she was helping you, you know, like you weren't even asking for her help. She was just like willingly just trying to help you. Yeah to me it's strange that she would expect something so and say it so blatantly yeah, too yeah oh, yeah it was it was harsh <laughs> yeah that's, i mean that's kind of like humiliating too oh, for, it like, was. you know it to was. say um by the way you yeah, owe you me you owe one. me yeah yeah Jeez. but not just
2: her but she she told me that i owed the people as well and i, I annoying and i mean i didn't particularly know these people so well but i knew i felt as though i i knew the, you know, how they would feel, that mm-hmm. they wouldn't expect anything,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, if, you know. When
0: I think those things come up naturally in a typical yeah. friendship, it's like if somebody helps you out, it's not like you have to hurry up and quick repay the favor. Of course not. It reminds me of an episode of an o- of The Office where Dwight, um, <laughs> Dwight, like, buys everybody bagels. Right. He go, like, goes to New York and buys everybody bagels <laughs> so that they <laughs> goes- owe him one. <laughs> Oh, I but then I Andy, that. the one of the other characters in the show, is like he always gives a favor immediately back. So right. the whole episode is them going, them doing favors for each other back and forth because oh, Andy well. doesn't want to be the one the who one owes who the owes favor. Right. So it reminds yeah. me of that. Like it, that's not a natural way mm. to uh, to have a not relationship. To function. No, of course not. It's like of course with our friends we do favors, and then naturally if they need help then we help. We help. Yeah. Also, I mean, th- to go out of your way to say, "Oh, you did this for me," therefore I owe mm-hmm. you a dinner. It seems so unnatural and fake. Yeah.
2: Unless there's a pl- like, unless there's like a situation where that might happen, where like you can do that, but it's ca- yeah, it's it's fake. Like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it is important though to be aware that. In in Chinese culture, it is there is a bit more of this kind of reciprocal giving, like gift giving and stuff like that. Yeah. When people give you gifts, you they might. Um, I don't know. It might be nice to return the favor at some point. Oh, yeah, At some point, yeah. But it's not like sure. oh, they bring over a bottle of wine, and then the next day you have to deliver them a bottle of wine back. It's, right. It just happens naturally between each other. Or they treat you to dinner, so the next time you treat them to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, but it doesn't need to be so rigid. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience. I think that lady is just a wacko. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking yeah, about.
2: Yeah, I think i mean, I think I told you. She,
0: she, because she also. It's really funny. So this woman, we won't mention names no, on the no, no, air, but um, she also like glommed onto me. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of goes around looking for the newbies. To China mm-hmm. and then spreads her wisdom, yeah. lathers you with all this like advice and stuff like that. And she was really, yeah, helpful. definitely at the time. I certainly appreciated the, the For information sure, she had, yeah. But then it was also, I remember her talking about some, some people that she was hanging out with that eventually just stopped um, communicating with her, yeah. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, that's so rude. She's being so helpful. But then I actually stopped communicating yeah. with her at one point. Yeah. She was very pushy, like, come very, to my party. Very pushy, very pushy. Yeah, so it's very strange. She, like, forced her help on you and then expected favors back. So, so strange. That's a strange one. Well, anyway. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I but, told you it was a bit of a digression. but Yeah, but still it's back.
0: interesting because it's kind of like an exaggerated view of this whole idea of Guanxi, a favor for a favor. Yeah. But that's an extreme example. I think so And it's interesting because she's not Ch- even Chinese. No, no, Chinese. <laughs> no. But maybe she just, I don't know, maybe that's her interpretation of the culture and she just really liked it.
2: I don't know. <laughs> we could all do that though, right? If we just wanted to take parts of the Chinese culture that we really liked hmm. and then just, just yeah. abused it. Well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. say, oh, it's Chinese culture, don't you know anything?
0: Yeah. That's what <laughs> sounds like what's happening there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so what about you? Do you have close
0: Chinese friends? Um. Again, I'm hesitant to answer this because mm-hmm. I've been here for so long. But if I'll be completely honest, I would say, no. I don't have close... Yeah, that's it. This
2: is the word. This is the word I'm getting hung up on. Yeah, (laughs) this is
0: close. I mean, people... I don't have... I have Chinese people in my life whom I very much respect, and who I consider friends. But I don't call them in the middle of the night to discuss my problems. So, right. to me, I wouldn't feel comfortable. No, no, them. no. no. So, this is, this is the difference, I think. Mm. Um, and actually, I find that the closer Chinese friends that I have are ones who have either been married or are married to foreigners mm. or have spent significant time abroad, yep. which is kind of cheating. You know, because it's kind of like <laughs> they they've sort of adopted the Western culture, and so they're, they've they made the effort to bridge the cultural gap. Me, not as much. Right. And it's not for lack of trying, because I've definitely reached out. In the be- in earlier on in my stay in China, I did travel down a lot of avenues to try to find a group of Chinese girls that um I shared similar interests with and yeah. that we really you know really got along. but um it, it was hard yeah, our interests are just not the same not right I'm just not interested in karaoke, I'm just not interested in shopping mm-hmm. you know and that that's that's obviously a generalization, but a lot of Chinese women they just don't share the same they don't enjoy life in the same way yeah. And I feel as though, like,
2: we we kind of enjoy a bit of, like, a gossip, I mm. suppose. And I, I would also, like, I don't think I could do that,
0: really, with a Chinese mm-hmm. woman, another Chinese woman. And some of my favorite moments with my friends are having a glass of wine and just gossiping Goss- or, you yeah, know, yeah. just chatting about whatever. But having a yeah. glass of wine and doing that, you know, being loose and... Just kind of carefree. Mm-hmm. But most Chinese women don't drink or stay up past 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I had a, I have a, one of my, what I would say, the closer Chinese friends. She, I, you know, really like her, but she also speaks really great English. So, yeah. she, so that's good on her part. She, she's, she's the one making more of the effort. But, um, I really like her. I genuinely really enjoy hanging out with mm-hmm. her. But she, like, I said, oh, let's go out sometime. She said, oh, no, if I stay awake past 11.30, then my tongue swells up and I get pimples on my face in the morning. <laughs> they have all these, like, so oh, like the liver rules. cleans itself between 11.30 and 12.30 at night, so I have to be sleeping by then. They have a lot of these Chinese medicinal rules where they don't, like, they don't allow themselves to stay mm. awake so late. So, for me, it's kind of, like, strange because... The best conversations I feel like the closer I get to people is often when you have those late nights out and you get into a conversation sure. and you have a glass or too many of wine, <laughs> you know, you have fun together. Yeah. But that just doesn't happen with Chinese mm-hmm. people.
2: Yeah. Um, my, the the closest uh, fr- Chinese friend, I guess I have, uh, she does drink. Mm. And I have, I often go out with her and her sisters in air um for a drink and you know sometimes you know ktv often gets thrown in there but they're open to like drink and
0: that's that's kind of cool um but is it like an on and off switch because i feel like one of my chinese friends asked me one time what's the difference between being drunk and being sick <laughs> because she like you know a lot was of them, no,
1: like.
0: Yeah, a lot of them, uh, they just have either they're sober or they're puking. Or wasted. <laughs> yeah. There's no in between. Uh, no, they, she, they can handle the, the drink oh, okay. fairly well. Northerners?
2: Yeah. 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 yeah that's
0: true. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit different from Southern Chinese. Southern Southern mm-hmm. Chinese, you give them a beer and that's pretty much enough. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We um, And I, I feel like we, we've. See, one of the things I think that makes it easier since I've been here for so long is that uh, we've talked a little bit about how it's not rude in Chinese culture to ask quite personal questions Mm -hmm. like the, oh, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have children? (laughs) You know, quite like, you know, asking how much money you make and Those kind of things that you might, you can, I mean, obviously, even we wouldn't talk about really those things. Right. We would talk about them, but in a different way. We wouldn't just be blatant, like, when are you going to have a kid, Nora? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Soon, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I managed to get over that, like, uh, worry. Mm. Uh, Not worry, but, like, what's the How do I even describe the feeling? Of, like, feeling embarrassed or, like... I don't want to answer those questions. Those an- those questions are too personal. Mm-hmm. So once you get over that, it, for me, it was much easier to like open up a bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, there was no like deep conversation because I don't have the language skills for that. She doesn't speak any English, so it's a good test for my Chinese. Mm-hmm. I some she understands me, even though obviously everything I say is just complete crap.
0: <laughs> I'm sure, but
2: that's not true. but uh, like we we managed. We do communicate, and we've you know talked about like. The f- you know she's asked us about the future where you know, um, yeah. So for me, I you had to get I had to get over that embarrassment of talking about personal things. Yeah. To be able to just communicate
0: more freely. mm mm-hmm. That's a good point. The whole, I mean, because they'll ask you that right off the bat. It's very yeah. jarring for us yeah. culturally. It's like whoa. Yeah. Why do you need to know how much money I right, make? Right. Right. Yeah, and how much does your apartment cost? And yeah. you know, it's like they ask these very very um blunt mm-hmm. questions straight away. Yeah. There's no there's no subtlety. Mm-hmm. And about there's, no, it. there's
2: no real explanation either. Like now with her, like she wants to know when I'm going to have a baby because <laughs> she has two children and so she you know, she's got it into her head that we can have, you know, I can have children at that our her her youngest and my am I I guess first prote- I mean obviously this is all like not you know it's all hypothetical you can grow up together and this kind of thing so at least there's some idea there of what of why she's asking me that question right. it's not just like when are you going to have a baby because I'm nosy <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah huh
0: that's interesting mm. I'm trying to think of other and I I haven't seen that many deep Friendships between Chinese people I and foreigners. I don't really know anyone. Unless the Chinese person has spent, again, unless they have either spent significant time abroad or they have a significant other who is foreign. Because that makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It does. Yeah. It
2: does. I would like to go back to, um, Desiree said that she'd been in Shanghai and that she, she. Um, She found that people, like Chinese people, kind of stayed by themselves and foreigners as well. Mm. And actually, when I was at university, there was a large population of um, international students. A lot of them were Chinese students studying business and mathematics and stuff. And um, most of the time, the Chinese students just stayed by themselves. very. Th- I knew some Chinese girls. Um, they we we volunteered together, um, but one of the things I found was they were so shy. Yeah. Um. They did, really didn't want to socialize. Like we might have had events like social events within the, um, like the volunteering like area, but if there was ever you know they would never have wanted to go for a drink or anything like that.
0: Right. It's funny because I've seen in the States a similar thing. Um, and also they tend, the Chinese, these groups, they tend to get um, sucked into the Christian organizations because I feel like right. they have a hard time. They're inexperienced in social relationships. Can I just say they, because of their education and the level of um, strict you know just they have so they have homework after school, they don't have a lot of free time. Most of them for high school, they live at the school yeah. so they don't have freedom. And they're not allowed boyfriends and girlfriends. They're not right? allowed boyfriends and girlfriends. So they're just very inexperienced in some ways with this kind of free social relationships. And so I think they have a hard time assimilating right. to Western culture for this reason, because it's kind of like, in some sense, we're more mature for that Mm -hmm. purpose. I mean, in other ways, we're way more immature, but in this (laughs) way, I think we have the average college student from the West just has more life experience than the average Chinese student who's been hovered over by two sets of grandparents and their parents and and, and some auntie or whatever. So they've been just uh-huh. kind of cradled for this long time and then they're out in the world are not, they're not really sure. So like you'll have these instances in China where you'll be standing at the bus stop and someone will come up to you and say, can I make a friend with you? Like, can we be friends? <laughs> yeah. And to, to us, that's a very childish way mm-hmm. to approach somebody. Like, yeah. can we be, excuse me, can we be friends? It's really very strange <laughs> for us. And I think that's part of the reason why they stick to themselves but because christian organizations especially evangelical ones in the states are so you know oh everybody's welcome and everybody's smiling and so you know like we have these events and the events are they take place during the day it's not like partying you know they're very safe places you see a lot of the Mm -hmm. chinese students getting sucked Mm -hmm. into these christian organizations just because they're more accessible the people are more accessible
2: it's interesting Mm-hmm.
0: So I've seen quite a quite a quite a bit of that happening. Yeah. So, any other points that we want to bring up? This is tough. This is a tough. It, it question. is really. Um... I'm sure that there. Of course, again, we have to state. I'm sure that there are exceptions of brilliant friendships between Chinese people and Western people. But again, we're. That's just based we're just basing it off of generalities. Mm. So. It makes, and
2: I, I, I'm I also, I'm dubious to ask this question, because I, I wonder if it's actually across all cultures, but I wonder what the difference is if you introduce romance. Uh. So what makes the, a romantic relationship with, between, let's say, a, well, between a foreigner and a Chinese person, uh, compared with a platonic friendship?
1: Mm.
2: I wonder how that adds an element that must add some magical element that we don't know about
0: oh for sure sex is a great motivator (laughs) yeah but it's what so you've got that in common and well the attraction you know makes you do you're just more motivated right to try to connect with each other that's true but still i find that in these mixed couple relationships their relationship is different than two western people or than two chinese people yeah so they do kind of meet in the middle, but they have a different relationship than your typical Western or your typical Chinese relationship yes that's that's also that's true yeah, yeah, but it is it's a very different dynamic, I think than platonic friendships for sure
1: mm. mm-hmm uh,
0: do you think that you could ever i mean have a close friendship with a Chinese person. I think I get closer the longer I stay yeah. here. Um, before, the the flames would burn out very quickly. Now I'm able to hold the flame for a little longer. <laughs> um, albeit very tenuously. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think if I stayed here for another 10 years, it would be different. Yes. Just because, mostly because of the linguistic barrier. Because even though I feel comfortable speaking and conversing in Chinese, I still don't pick up the subtle nuances of the language and mm. I can't express my own properly. Yeah. So that's a big hindrance to communication. So, yeah, I think it would be more likely that I would... Because I would also... It's not just a language. I would also be able to understand the culture. Like, if I'm watching a TV show or just observing the world around me, I would just be able to understand much more True, yeah. on a deeper level what's going on. Mm-hmm. So. so, yeah, I think so. But even so, I've known people who have lived here for 20 years or more mm-hmm. and who speak good Chinese, like fluent Chinese, who I don't think have any... Right. Chinese, other than their significant other, yeah. have any Chinese friends, right. like real Chinese friends? Yeah, I mean, close, close friends. So, yeah, it's tough. It's it's not it's not an easy gap to bridge. Mm.
2: I think, um, yeah, I think time can definitely like help you create a relationship mm. here. I feel as though. um if you i don't know if it's language or if you're from the same background you can often just click with a person
1: mm-hmm. you
2: can meet them one even, like a few times and you can you can get a good feeling from someone you can you can think oh like i really like this person and mm-hmm. I'd like to get to know them but I've never really had that with a Ch- with a chinese person because i think at first i was very you know you don't when you first arrive here, you don't you don't under, understand the culture enough, and what you've been told scares you because you're afraid you're going to offend someone who's older than you. Because you've learned all these, you know, you should be respectful. You should mm-hmm. when when the, when you cheers with them, you know, put your cup underneath there so you show respect. And you, I'm, I was so busy trying to remember all of these ways to show respect
1: mm-hmm.
2: that I I could never really lower my guard enough to. Yeah, to be friends with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was saying earlier on with this... The the friend I have that is probably the closest friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like it's so stupid. Because I'm not saying names, but they're probably never going to... They're not going to listen to this anyway. Or understand it, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I hope that if I'm here for a long time, that I could do the same thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I we are also... As Westerners, we tend to just wear emotions on our sleeves. You know, we're quite an e- easy read. Uh-huh. That's why I think linguistically we're a bit more subtle. But like judging by people's facial expressions mm-hmm. and body, you know, language and stuff, I think it's it's easier for us to to judge a person very quickly. Whereas Chinese are more withdrawn. You know, yeah. they don't tend to react emotionally, or, uh, you know, they don't tend to have these strong, you know, they don't, they don't do a lot of movement, no. you know, you think of somebody in Italy, you know, flailing their arms, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> speaking very, using very flowery language mm-hmm. and stuff, and this is like the polar opposite of China, where they'll, mm. they'll speak, but they, they don't even tend to have a whole lot of movement in their face, or in their body, they're just very, they're very masked. Mm. So it's hard for us to. It, it's kind of like approaching a, a wild animal or something. Not, yeah. you don't know if it's gonna <laughs> eat you or not. <laughs> yeah, although if you if you listen to our
2: last episode, episode fifty eight, when we were, uh, we had some audio tracks from Sounds of Shenzhen. And um oh yeah. There was some loud angry people and you could you can definitely get some emotion but anger is kind of the only um, like one that you can get yeah. pretty clearly like
0: yeah when and that's on the like that's doesn't <laughs> those, those very specific circumstances like between a shop vendor and a customer who feels like they're being ripped off or between close people but if they're meeting somebody for the first time oh yeah they'll be very hesitant right to become you know to show this kind of blatant displays of emotion mm. for sure
2: I I sometimes wonder if um so I re- we recently moved well we are moving and mm-hmm. we sat we met with the landlord and then his wife and they were both like super like reserved when we first met them there was like it was almost like they were afraid like she, especially the wife she was like so almost like nervous mm hmm um, but then once we kind of had a bit of a chit chat and we were buying a sofa, she took us to get a sofa, and and then once she kind of just relaxed and then things were much nicer, like, mm. but you could see she was really, almost like standoffish, like a little yeah. bit rude, because at first I was like, hmm, is she put out that she's got to do this? Like,
0: I think they just take really more time to and warm. they're much more careful to show any kind of emotion or warmth. It's like keeping their guard, yeah, keeping their guard up. Well, we can be like that too, right? Right? I mean, yeah. sometimes, yeah. Just think it's it's strong, stronger here yeah. somehow. Cool. Well, yeah. I have a question for the audience, and that is: Do any of mm-hmm. you out there have a Chinese friend, or if you're Chinese um, and you have not spent significant amount of time abroad? have foreign friends, we'd mm-hmm. love to hear your experiences and your stories about this and if there were any incidents that were funny or, you know, some problems that you came across that you learned how to solve between each other. It'd be really interesting to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah. So write in and tell us all about it or send us a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And um, today's Chinese character I thought would be 文化. So Wenhua is culture, um, but it's used more broadly in China. Like if, if you say 她没文化, so she has no culture, it means <laughs> that she's like not behaving civilized, like civil, civil, civilly? Civilly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of use it to mean not just culture as we use it, but also this this idea of social status, right. of, of being, I guess, more elegant. I can see it proper. in a Downton Abbey
2: perspective right yeah. now. I'm seeing Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. Maggie Smith. Cool. <laughs> nice one. So, yeah, as Nora said earlier, um, if you would like to leave us a... Um, message, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> but if you don't fancy talking, you can just go to uh, uh, writtenchinese.com slash podcast to see all of our previous episodes. And this episode is episode 59. Wow. Yeah. Or you can join us on facebook.com uh, slash, slash two white chicks. Two is spelled T W O great and leave us a message there
0: thanks for listening bye